beautiful people. So, today, I'm here with my, like, co-guest, kind of, like, be here a lot, Brian Watson, again. Hello. And I'm just going to kind of tell the story, and Brian is going to react to it, because I... I I, I don't know much about it, but I know a little bit. And I read, like, all of this article today, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to share this episode. And so... This uh, this story is the story of Belle Gunness, the meat cleaver wielding serial killer of the of turn of the century Indiana. So let's go into like kind of just the intro, just so we can like get a kind of gist of the case. So on a pig farm in L.A. Port, Indiana, Belle Gunness killed two of her husbands and a handful of single men and several of her own children before mysteriously disappearing in 1908. Mysteriously. We don't know. To outsiders, Belle Gunness might have looked like a lonely widow who lived in the American Midwest during the late 19th and early 20th centuries, but in reality, she was a serial killer who murdered at least 14 people, and some estimate that she may have killed as many as 40 victims. But we don't actually know. That's just, like, from a claim, which I I will get into later. Gunness had a system. After murdering her two husbands, the Norwegian-American woman posted ads in the newspaper looking for men to invest in her farm. Fellow Norwegian-Americans flocked to her property, hoping for a taste of home along with a solid business opportunity. She also posted ads in lovelorn columns to attract wealthy bachelors. Wait, and when did this happen again? Um, I believe it was during the 19th and early 20th century. Okay. So, in the 19th to 20th, so late 1800s yeah. um, to... Early 1900s. Early 1900s. Yeah. So, the early 1800s. Like yeah. Like, 19th century, right? Yeah. Because so, I remember... Yeah, this, I actually um, did. So, she was... Um, her, okay, that's something else I wanted. Yeah, because I Let actually me... did watch a video about her, actually, with my mom, and she had kids. Oh, yeah, she has lots of kids. Yeah, and I don't know if... I'll, I'll get into that in a Okay, because I don't want to bring spoilers in. Yeah. So. So, I'll just, um, continue, um, mm-hmm. to lure her victims, goodness wrote... Quote, my heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. End quote. Hmm. Um, he did. And shortly after he arrived, Gunness killed him and buried his dismembered body in her hog pen alongside other corpses. And there were a Although lot of her corpses. farmhouse was burned down in April 1908, seemingly with her inside, some believe that Gunness slipped away, perhaps to kill again. So let's just go into like. The background. origin, the her background. background. Oh, um, the children. The children, yep. Oh. So, Belle Gunness was born in Brynhild Paulstadas Storset on November 11th, 1859 in Selbu, Norway. So she was born in Norway, basically. So, yeah, she's and Norwegian. And uh, little is known about her early life, but for one reason or another, Gunness decided to immigrate from Selbu to so, Chicago in 1881. So... Her parents were circus performers. Oh, really? Her parents were circus performers. 
and she wanted away from the circus life. So oh, she decided, okay. you know what, I'm going to leave and go to America where there's a lot of prospects. Oh, yeah, okay. So she is pretty heavy, actually. In that. Yeah, she's... She, I think she, as she is today, about 200 she was, pounds. Yeah, she's fairly, as today would say, plus-sized. Yeah. She's a big woman. She's stocky. Yeah, but she's, like, super strong as well. Yeah. Um, it's anyway. not... It's not... Ch- it, it's muscle. In Chicago, when she got there in 1881, their gunness met her first known victim, her husband, Mads... Zitzlev Anton Sorensen, whom she married in 1884. Their life together seemed to be marked by tragedy. Gunness and Sorensen opened a candy store, but it soon burned down. This is where, like, everything starts to get really weird is when she marries this man. Yes, in this candy store, it was really, really, really extremely popular. It was really good. So, she opened a candy store, but it soon burned down. They had four children together, but two allegedly died of acute... Colitis? Acute colitis. Colitis. So, uh, acute colitis, I went into some of it. It's an inflammatory bowel bowel disease that causes inflammation and ulcers in your digestive tract. Yeah, it's otherwise known as ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And, um... Eerily, the symptoms of this disease were quite similar to poisoning. Yeah, so, like, did she poison them, or was this actually something that her kids were going through? Um, and one, does it talk about writing? I'm getting down here, yeah. And in 1900, their home burned down, but as was the case with the candy store, Gunness and Sorensen were able to pocket the insurance money. Then, on July 30th, 1900, tragedy struck again. Sorensen died suddenly of cerebral hematoma. A cerebral hematoma. No. A cerebral hemorrhage. hemorrhage. A cerebral hemorrhage, which is a bleeding that occurs with or around the brain tissue when, um, if the arteries arteries. rupture, blood is released into the brain tissue, Um, and it forms clot. It clots, and then it can grow and exert pressure on the surrounding tissue. So this could be possible that it happened by accident, or someone hit his head really hard. I think... No, that's a different case. But we don't know. So, um... Yeah. Strangely, the date represented the last day of Sorensen's life insurance policy, as well as the first day of his new policy. His widow, Gunness, collected on both policies of about $150,000 in today's dollars, in today's money, Mm -hmm. which she could have only done on that day. Which Which, is why it's strange, because she collected more money, because she was collecting from both the insurance policy, and she could only do it on one day because of a loophole in the system. So, was it on purpose, or was it not? Did she kill him, or did, was it it? A freak accident that happened to have a really big coincidence yeah. attached to it. D- but no one at the time chalked it up to anyone but a tragic co- coincidence. Gunness claimed that Sorensen had come home with a headache and she had given him quinine. Quinine? Quinine? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's quinine. The next thing she knew, her husband was dead. That's what she claims. Is Next thing, she gave him some medicine and the next thing she knows, she was dead. Okay, so later we get into here, we're going to get into all the kids. Yeah. And it kind of gets weird with her foster daughter here Je- in a minute. Jenny's story, it's really interesting. Yeah, here. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Belle Gunness left Chicago with her daughters after 
Uh-huh. After after he died. After and- he died. Um, left Chicago with her daughters Myrtle and Lucy, along with a foster daughter named Jenny Olson. Newly flushed with cash, Gunness bought a 40-acre farm in Laporte, Indiana. There she set out set about starting a new life. Neighbors described the 200-pound Gunness as a rugged woman who was also incredibly strong. One man who helped her move later claimed that he saw her lift a 300-pound piano all by herself. She supposedly said a a like music at home. A like music at home, she said. She supposedly said by the way of explanation. And before long, the widowed Gunness was a widow no longer. In April 1902, she married Peter Gunness. Strangely, tragedy seemed to return to Belle Gunness, Gunness's doorstep yet again. Peter's infant daughter from a previous relationship mysteriously died. I wonder how. Oh. I don't know how. Then Peter also died. So... <laughs> mm, I don't and, know. See, in today's society, I think we would notice that as kind of being weird, but, like, because like, of oh, how... Like, oh, literally everybody around her is kind of dying, so... Yeah, hmm. so obviously there's something strange going on, but back then they didn't really, like, think of it that way. They, they just wouldn't... thought, oh, like, this is oh, kind of normal. just kind of freak accidents. Like, well, it's not even just freak accidents. It's, like, that in the old age, like, people died at younger ages, so it was kind of, like, normal in a yeah. sense. And so it the, wasn't weird. And the medicine wasn't that developed at the time. So, yeah, so Peter... Also died. And then, apparently, he had fallen victim to a sausage sausage grinder that fell on his head from a wobbly shelf. Because he owned a store? Yeah, kind of weird. The coroner described the incident as a little queer, but believed that it was an accident. And by a little queer, he means a little bit strange or odd. Yeah. Gunness dried her tears and collected her husband's life insurance policy. More. She's just out for the money at this point. Like... Like, like, and we all know are, she's the murderer. Yeah, we all know, obviously, like, this is about the murderer, but, like, she, like, she obviously is just coming to collect money, and, like, that's not what we think it is, because, well, that's how other people can't see it, because, like, it was normal. It was normal for people to just die. Yeah. Only one person se- seemed to be catching on to Gunness's habits. Her foster daughter, Jenny Olson. And then here's here's a quote. This is okay. And then later it gets creepy because all of a sudden, um, uh, we won't bring it up yet. We will. We will. Gun. Yeah. So, um, quote: My mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell a soul. End quote. Um, also, she no, told she allegedly this, told her classmates. Yeah, she told her schoolmates. Now, she, obviously, her child thinks. She saw it happen. She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what happened. And then, and then, soon afterward, Olsen vanished. Her foster mother initially claimed that she'd been sent to a school in California. But years later, the girl's body would be found in Gunness's hog pen. So, all this is taking place in a hog pen, obviously. Well, on a hog farm. Yeah. She, like, has a farm and, like,. She's obviously using the pigs yeah. to eat the bodies because the pigs will leave nothing left. Okay, now this is where Bell Gunness lures more victims. To their deaths. And I will put the um link for the website that I'm using so that you can see some of these pictures. Um because you can see pictures of her family, the farm she was living on, 
And, like, this, um, one of the pictures is, um, when the uh, authorities were... They made a series of Grizz, the discoveries in 1908. Yeah, when they were making the discoveries of all these bodies. And it's, it's a pretty interesting. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So, let's start up again. Maybe Belle Gunness needed money. Or maybe she had developed a taste for murder. Either way, the twice-widowed Gunness began posting personal ads in Norwegian language newspapers to find a new companion. One read, quote, personal, calmly widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPorte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. End quote. So at this point, it's like, it, she's like putting ads in the newspaper, like, I want some rich, wealthy man to come in my life, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously... And it, it, it works. She's not looking it, for real love, obviously, but it yeah. ends up working. Yeah, she brings a lot of men. So, according to Harold Schechner, a true crime author who wrote Hell's Princess, the mystery of Belle Gunness's Gunness, Butcher of Men, Gunness knew exactly how to lure her victims onto her farm. Like many psychopaths, quote, like many psychopaths, she was very shrewd in identifying potential victims. These were only Norwegian bachelors, many completely cut off from their families. Gunness Gunness beguiled them with promises of down-home Norwegian cooking and painted a very seductive portrait of the kind of life they would enjoy. End quote. Um, and that was uh, explained by uh, Schechner, the author. Mm-hmm. Um, but the men who came to a farm would not have a life to enjoy for very long. They arrived with thousands of dollars and then disappeared. So, and like, you know, I don't know, but like, today you would be thinking like, okay, she's just trying to get the rich and wealthy men. Okay, this is kind of weird. She's not actually looking for love, obviously. She's just looking for the money. But like, people weren't like... Well, there's a lot of cases that go on like this, and they don't get discovered until years later. Yeah, and it's like, oh my gosh, are you that... Like, I could have figured this out. Like, People would be like, but later on, we'll be looking at it like we are with this case. Like, how could they not tell? It was so obvious. Yeah, it was so But I could obvious. name so many other cases that go on for years, decades. But it was like an obvious case. It was yeah. obvious, but it's because one, the police weren't, mainly it was because one, the police weren't putting in the effort to try and find these people. And two, they don't have the technology that we do They today. didn't have the technology back then. But even in the 70s, 80s, it was it was obvious. It would have been obvious what was going on. Yeah. But because this took place in, like, 1908 and such. The early 19th. There's just The not, early 20th century. It's just not, like, people aren't. They just didn't have that just, idea in their heads at the time. Like, oh, people are murdered. Like, we thought they were good people. But nowadays, like, the way that we see things... We're questionable of, so of everybody. Many, we're questionable of everybody because of... Because of the way, like, we have seen... Because the things we've the way seen things in the past. Seen in the past and how they go down. And how they go down. Now we're like, okay, yeah. 
it's probably this we've person. learned from oh, that experience yeah we've learned from that experience and are trying to build off of it like hey yeah we don't want this to happen again so let's do what we can to stop it yeah instead of letting history repeat itself which we actually pretty commonly see history repeats itself a lot in good ways and bad ways and yeah I think we just need to learn from our mistakes and learn from the past. Yeah. Because, obvious, because, mm, okay, anyway. One lucky man named George Anderson uh, survived the encounter. Anderson had come to the Gunness Farm from Missouri with money and, hopeful, and a hopeful heart. But he awoke one night to a terrifying sight. Gunness leaning over his bed as he slept. Anderson was so startled by the ravenous... Ravenous, ravenous expression by the ravenous in. expression in Gunness's eyes, that he left immediately. So he survived, but I don't like. How could she you not put the things escaped. together? How could you like even this guy at this point? I would be thinking, oh, she must have murdered all these men who were just disappearing. Well, well, the thing is, at the time they didn't link the cases together; they just disappeared. Well, yeah, remember, but the guy, this guy, George Anderson, like but I he didn't know about the other people. Because remember, they were disconnected. Those people that were taken, they were disconnected from their family. And yeah, but they were in the paper and stuff. Like all these, like just the advertisements. Were in the paper. Yeah, like. But no, there them. wouldn't have been. There wouldn't have been anything in the newspapers, because there was nobody to report the people missing. There would have been nobody oh, okay. because there, there's no one that's re- nobody that cares for him really, except supposedly Bell, and that would have nobody would have reported the missing. Nobody would have even known they had left. Nobody. Well, actually, in one of these... Um, well, well, we'll bring that this up later. One, we'll bring it no, up later. No, this one... Yeah. Anderson, specifically, Well, no, there's a, Well, there's another one. There's another one. Meanwhile, neighbors noticed that Gunness had begun to spend an unusual amount of time at her hog pen at night. She also seemed to spend a lot of money on wooden trunks, which witnesses said she could lift... Like a box of marshmallows. Meanwhile, men showed up one by one at her door and kept vanishing without trace. Quote, Miss Gunness received men visitors all the time. A different man came nearly every week to stay at the house. She introduced them as cousins from Kansas, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and from Chicago. She was always careful to make the children stay away from her cousins. Um, This was one of her... A farmhand later on. Yeah, told later the New on York told, Tribune. Yeah. In nineteen oh six, Bell Gunness connected with her final victim. Oh, this is the one. Yeah, it's this one. Okay. In nineteen oh six, Bell Gunness connected with her final victim, Andrew Helgeen. Found her. Andrew Helgeen found her ad in in the Minneapolis, Tidend a Norwegian-language newspaper. Before long, Gunness and Helgeen began exchanging romantic letters. Quote, We shall be so happy when we, when you once get here. My heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. End quote. This was and from Gunness. Gunness put in one of her letters. Yeah. This one was to Andrew Helgeen. So, Helgeen, like other big victims before him decided to take a chance on love. He moved to L.A. Port, Indiana on January 3rd, 1908. <sighs> to be Bell, to be with Bell, with, Bell, with Bell Gunness. Gunness. 
Then, he disappeared. Oh, wow. So surprising. Let's get into the downfall downfall of Velgundness, where she... She doesn't get... Oh, okay, we'll just let's get into it. I hate the end of this case. It it's it's unsatisfying. It's like, uh, whatever. So far, Belgunness ha- had been able to largely escape detection of suspicion, but after Andrew Helgleen stopped answering letters, his brother Asel Asel got worried and demanded answers. Gunness def- deflected, quote, You wish to know where your brother keeps himself? Well, this just what I would like to know, but it almost seems impossible for me to g- give a definite answer. End quote. She suggested that maybe Andrew Helgleen had gone to Chicago or perhaps back to Norway. But Asel Helgleen didn't seem to be falling for it. Concurrently, Gunness had begun to be, begun to develop prob- problems with a farmhand named Ray Lampier. He had romantic feelings for Gunness and resented all the men that showed up at her property. The, the two once apparently had a relationship, but Lampier had left in a jealous rage after Helgino arrived. <sighs> On April 27, 1908, Bell Gunness wanted went to see an attorney in Laporte. She told him that she had fired her jealous farmhand, Lampier, which caused him to go mad. And Gunness also claimed that she needed to make a will because Lampier had apparently threatened her life. Quote, The man is out to get me. I fear one of these nights he will burn my house to the ground. End quote. Gunness told the attorney. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is where... Okay. Gunness left her attorney's office. She then bought toys for her children and two gallons of kerosene. That night, someone set her farmhouse on fire. Oh, I wonder who? No one- Okay, in the end of this, no one thinks that it's her, even though she bought kerosene. Okay, and then the night- Okay, just keep going. Authorities found the bodies of Gunness's three children in the charred rubble of the farmhouse basement. They also found the body of a headless woman who at first they assumed was Bill Gunness. Lampier was quickly charged with murder and arson, and police began to search the farm grounds, hoping to find Gunness's head. <laughs> Meanwhile, Asel Helgleen had read about the fire in the newspaper. He showed up in hopes of finding his brother. For a while, Hel- Helgleen assisted police as they sorted through the rubble. Although he almost left, Helgeen became convinced that he couldn't do so without looking harder for Andrew. Quote, I was not satisfied, and I went back to the cellar and asked one of Gunness's farmhands whether he knew of any hole or dirt having been dug up there about the place in spring. End quote. In fact, the farmhand hand did Bell Gunness had asked him to level dozens of soft depressions in the ground, which supposedly covered trash. Supposedly. (laughs) Hoping to find a clue related to his brother's disappearance. Helgleen and the farmhand began began to dig up a pile 
of soft dirt in the hog pen. To their horror, they ended up finding Andrew Huggins' head, hands, and feet stuffed into an oozing gu- gunny, gunny sack. sack. Oh my god. Whew. And that's not the worst part. That, that's not the... Huh. Okay. That's not all of it. That's not us. all of it, but this goes on for quite some time. Further digging yielded more grisly discovered. In the span of two days, investigators found a total of 11 burlap sacks, which contained arms hacked from the shoulders down and masses of human bone wrapped in loose flesh that dripped like jelly. End quote. This mm-hmm. just, right yeah, yeah, yeah. when they put that drip to like jelly oh my god that like <laughs> that just like maze makes you sick this it doesn't like, sound a no. Ste- no just no and 11 burlap burlap, burlap sacks. sacks with bones that have flesh dripping like jelly well yeah and they, like there's 11 of them and she supposedly killed only 4 to 40 4 to 40 oh people. my god Okay, onward. <sighs> authorities couldn't authorities could couldn't identify all the bodies, but they could identify Jenny Olson, Gunness's foster daughter, who had left for California, and it soon became clear that Gunness was behind some horrific crimes. And now we're gonna get into the part that frustrates Victoria. Oh my God, we're gonna get into the the mystery of Belle Gunness's death. Her death. Want- Her death. Do you want me to read this to you, for you so that you don't freak out? Oh, geez. Is this supposed to have... Well, I think... I think I did. Okay, I'll read this part. You read this part. And I'll just finish this one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you... Okay. Before long, news of the gruesome discovery spread throughout the nation. America's newspaper labeled Belle Gunness, the Black Widow, Hell's Bell, the Indian Ogress, and and Mistress of the Castle of Death. Reporters described her home as a horror farm and a death garden. Curious onlookers flocked to Laporte, and it became a local and national attraction to the point that Vendors reportedly sold ice cream, popcorn, cake, and something called Gunness Stew to visitors. Bitch! What? You're selling food where, like, 4 to 40 people just got murdered, and people are just like... It's an attraction, but, Toria, it's an attraction. I'm sorry, yeah, but no, like, right after these people got murdered, like... People would do that at prisons, where people were hung, shot... Electrified, gassed, well, yeah, and a I can slew see, of other punishments. See, I can see we do that now when we go to these attractions. But, like, when you're doing it right after people just got murdered. Victoria. No. Back in the no. day when they did public hangings, people would sell vendors. They would throw parties. Meanwhile, authorities struggled to determine whether the headless corpse they'd found in the burned farmhouse belonged to Gunness. Although the police found a set of teeth among the ruins, there was still some debate about as to whether or not they belonged to Bell Gunness. Uh, <gasps> okay. I hate this case with a passion. But, curiously, the corpse itself seemed to be much too small to be hers. 
even DNA tests that were done decades later from envelopes that Gunnis licked were unable to definitively answer if she had died in the fire. And, you see, what they could have done is they could have killed somebody, just killed someone, killed some girl, ripped her, chopped her head off, caused the headless corpse. And then, what they could have done, she could have plucked her teeth out and put it there. Because they had the dentist go and identify her teeth. They said that those were her teeth because you remember having to do this exact thing to her exact teeth. Because they didn't have much for dental records at the time. So she could have ripped her teeth out and walked away. As the entire farmhouse is ablaze. But in the end, Ray Lampierre was charged with arson, but not murder. Quote, I know nothing about the about the house of crime, as they call it. He said when it, when asked about the Gunnis' murders. Sure, I worked for Miss Gunnis for a long time, but I didn't see her kill anybody, and I didn't know she had killed anybody. End quote. But on his deathbed, Lampierre changed his tune. He admitted to follow and he admitted to a fellow inmate that he and Gunnis had killed forty two men together. She would spike their coffee, bash their heads in, cut up their bodies, and put them in sacks. He explained, and then, quote, I did the planning, end quote. Lampier ended up in a prison because of his connection to goodness and the fire on the farm. But did Lampier, Lampier actually cause the fire? And did goodness really die in the farm, farmhouse disaster? Years after Gunness's supposed demise, rumors surfaced that she may have faked her own death to escape escape potential capture or perhaps she simply wanted to be free to kill again here's where i mm. <laughs> eerily in 1931 a woman named esther es- esther esther carlson was arrested in los angeles for poisoning a norwegian american man uh, and attempting to steal his money she died of tuberculosis while awaiting trial but many couldn't help but notice that she bore a striking resemblance to Gunness and even had a photograph of kids who looked a lot like Gunness's children. Okay, this like this makes me mad on a different level because it's a Norwegian American for one. Um two, um, there's a striking resemblance and there's a picture with the kids. Do you understand that this is like the same person? Like she just escaped all of it and then just died. Like she lived <gasps> yeah. It remains unconfirmed when and where Belle Gunness actually died. So her death is a mystery. Yay. Like, a real mystery. Like, it's... Oh my <sighs> god. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're gonna sign off now. Tell us what you think. Like, seriously, what do you think? Leave some voice messages. Oh, yeah, leave some, like, like, do you, oh, this person, this person, Mm. this person killed. Let's talk about your thoughts. Get them out of your head. Mm, This person could have killed over 40 people and just gotten away with it, lived a happy life. If she truly did die in the fire, she did get away with that. Yeah, so, like. she is that Esther Carlson. Yeah, so one of, like. It gives me a lot of Ed Gein vibes, but yet different. There's, oh my god, you don't know about the Butterbox movie. This is why we don't give women in power. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't even pull that.
So, yeah. So, because, like, oh my god. So, oh, so it, it is confirmed that she killed at least 14 people, but other people say that she could have killed as many as 40 pe- 42 people. I just... You just, glossed over that paragraph. It just makes... No, I didn't. I said this one. Because it was right after the... Because it's at the beginning. I just don't... It makes me sick too. It's like, like some of that is. Just, the thing is, I could, I could, I could be reading and have the bones, the flesh dripping like jelly. I could read that and eat happily. I could happily be eating a meal. Happily. Don't say that. People are gonna think you're weird and a serial killer. No, just messed up. Yeah. Anyway, um. We're going to sign off now. Um, thank you so much, Brian, for being on this episode of Murder Mysteries. And we, I will see you all next time. Thank you. Have a great day. Tell me what you think.